Banknote Promise, and that's going to stay up there. I'm just going to talk just for a few moments. So if you've got a Bible with you, that'd be great. If you don't, then don't worry, just sit back and listen. You know, in a time of um, financial crisis and um, financial uncertainty, perhaps, rather, in the world in which we live in, there's, um, people look for a degree of certainty, particularly with their finances. It says uh, right now in Greece, as Greece goes to um, take a, a major election, whether to stay in the euro or not, then it, uh, I was reading somewhere that tens of, well, hundreds of, not thousands of people are taking their money out of banks, getting ready for um, worried, uh, uncertain that it's going to be worth anything. And it's happening in a number of countries in Europe at the moment. But there's something on a banknote. If you can see it, you might be able to see it there. It says, I promise, on, a, on an English banknote, on a £10, and on, a, on a banknotes that are printed in our country, it says, I promise, this is printed, obviously backed by the governor of what's called the Bank of England. And backed by the Bank of England, it says on every uh, £10 note, I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of it's £10. So you look at it, very small print. But um, on, on every banknote, there's a promise. And that's backed by the Bank of England, and the Bank of England backed that with gold. Um, It might not be worth too much, perhaps, (laughs) um, with all that's happening in the world at the moment. But it's a promise that's there, okay? And a promise is only as good as the person that makes it. I've been told. Somebody maybe has made a promise to you and broken their promise, perhaps. Perhaps someone near to you and dear to you. So a promise is only as good as the person that makes it. But the, you know, so the governor of the Bank of England makes a promise, and there you can see it up there, and it'll be on your banknote. But did you know that Jesus Christ, God, makes a promise to you, and God makes a promise to me, makes a lot of promises, actually. The Bible's full of a lot of promise, and promises that will last, not um, based on gold bars in a vault somewhere, but based on the precious blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's incredible loving kindness There is a promise for you and me. And it's that that I want to unlock from this chapter. um, Some promises just for our hearts. And then we're going to sort of pray together. So I don't want to be too long, but just want to take up that theme. So banknote promise. Um, Matthew chapter 18 and uh, verse 18, we read these words. It says, I tell you, I'm reading from NIV. Verse 18 reads like this. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. And where two or three of you come together in my name, there am I with them. Three promises. Look at those very carefully. Look at the text. This is why I said you might need your Bible or if you've got it on your phone. Look at this very quickly with me. There's three promises there. Taking this theme, this idea of promise. First promise there is the promise of power. And we'll look at this in a moment or two. It says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. The second promise there is the promise of provision. First one's power. Second promise is the promise of provision. It says, I tell you the truth, whatever you, um, anything you ask for, it will be done. It's a promise of provision. And the third promise, Promise there is the promise of his presence. It says there, um, where two or three gather together, there am I with them. The three promises. The promise of power, the promise of provision, and the promise of God's presence in your life. They're amazing. They're incredible. Absolutely fundamental 
spectacular for your personal life, for my personal life, uh, the life of uh, the church that you're in or come from and our church that we're part of here. There are three amazing, incredible promises. It's a bit of a confusing chapter for some. Perhaps some people take this Matthew 18 chapter as a chapter on church discipline and lots of do's and don'ts and what the church will do to you. But it's interesting, actually, of what this is really all about. So let's have a look at this together for a moment or two. First one there, the promise of power. He says, whatever you bind on earth, uh, bound in heaven, and whatever's loosed will be loosed in heaven, it says there. Binding and loosing, it mentions there in um, verse 18. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What on earth is all that on about? Binding on earth and binding in heaven. What's all that about? Literally, it could mean this. Whatever you forbid and whatever you permit. So where it says bind and loose, to bind is to forbid, and to loose means to permit. They're rabbinic terms. They're teaching terms. The rabbis of the day would have forbid and permit. You're allowed, you're not allowed. It's okay to do that. It's not okay to do that. It's okay to live like that. It's not okay. You're to be, so to be bound would be forbidden. It's, it's not good for you to do. Uh, uh, to be loosed would be, you're freed. You are freed to do. And so this idea of binding and loosing there is a term that's used of the leaders, the religious leaders of the day. But they're powerful terms. It's, the power is in that you are allowed, you're not allowed. You are free, you're not free. There's the lies, the power in there. And so it really speaks about practical principles applied to relationships. Um, in, in this particular passage, it's all about how we relate, how people relate to each other. It goes on in this passage to talk about if you've got something wrong with someone, go and speak to them. And so the context of the, 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 the teaching of binding, loosing, forbidding, permitment is in the power of releasing, untying relationships so you get freed. There's nothing worse than having a relationship where you feel all tied up. You don't hate them or they hate you. Or you can't forgive them, or they can't forgive you. That type of thing. You get all tied up in knots. And so to be untied is to be freed. And so what they say is you, you, you can be released in your relationship, or you can be tied up in, in your relationship. So bind and to loose, to forgive, to release, to free, or to forbid, or to permit. So it's powerful. It's powerful ability to free or to, to bind. But, but, but he's, he goes further. He says, whatever you do on earth is released also in the heavenly realms. So there's a spiritual dimension. It's not just the practical relationships of life. He's speaking of a spiritual dimension to life. So there's a sense of power in this. Jesus talks and uses these same practical principles about getting on in life and releasing relationships and freeing and, and having great relationships and... and um, Permitted to do certain things, the power to get on in life and the power not to. He talks about these things in our relationships. But he also applies them in Matthew chapter 12 to binding the strong man in Matthew chapter 12. We're not going to maybe have time to turn to it right now. But in Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 to 29, Jesus adds to this principle of relationships and forbidding and permitting. He speaks about the strong man. When you bind the strong man, you can then tie him up and plunder And um, the understanding there is that Jesus introduces also a a dimension of spiritual power. And not that we go around acting like God and not allowing this and not allowing that, but 
there is a sense of a degree of spiritual power released upon your heart, my heart, and the heart of the church when we follow God and live for God. And so he promises here, not only in our relationships, but he opens it up to a wider dimension of the spiritual realm and the realm for life. To be released in life, to be freed, to be freed and loose, to get on and prosper and do well and live for God. There's this understanding and it's loosed on earth, it's loosed in heaven. And also to hold back dark powers, powers of darkness. Um, you know, the people say the church is declining, it's dead and buried. It's not true. There's power in the life of the church. If only we were to lay hold of that and to raise up our hearts and live for God and pray, like Mike was saying, just, just get to pray with one another. There is an immense power released in prayer. And Jesus is sharing this. That there's a promise of power. The second one is a promise of provision. You see it there in verse 19. He goes on to say this. In verse 19, he says, when we speak of banknote promises, I promise, he says, Jesus, uh, I tell you that when two on earth agree, anything you ask for, um, he says, I tell you the truth, when two on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. When you agree for anything you ask for, it's provision. God is a great provider. God is the great provider. One of the Hebrew names of God is Jehovah Jireh, which is, means God is my provision. Interesting. God is it's inbuilt in his heart. He will provide. He's a great father. Today's Father's Day. People nationally celebrate Father's Day. God is a great father. He's a great spiritual provider, the sustainer of the universe. And... Um, he says, whatever you ask for, I will provide. Now, Jesus prays this prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. He says, pray this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And um, the daily bread is our needs. So God provides for our needs, not our greeds. So when we say, whatever you ask for, don't necessarily ask for a Porsche or a Rolls Royce if it's not your need. <laughs> You might say, well, I need it. I really need it. I need that dress. I really need that bag. I need that pair of shoes. Well, maybe you do. But it's needs, not greeds. Give us this day our daily bread. It's, it's, the, it's our provision in life. And God is the good. So this is why Jesus said, don't worry about what you need, about food and clothes. Doesn't God clothe the, you know, the fields with the grass of the earth? He feed the birds of the air. He's talking about needs. But God is a great, incredible provider. And there is the promise of provision. God will promise, promises to provide all that we need in our hearts and lives. If you live for him, go for God. Lay hold of that promise. Third promise and final promise there is the promise of his presence. The promise of his presence, he says there. Um, for where, in verse 20, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. I am with them. We read um, you know, at Christmas, we celebrate the good news to the earth. It says Jesus, is, uh, his name is Emmanuel, which means, literally translated, God with us. And so Jesus is God with us, amongst us, with them. This is his presence, the manifest presence of God. You know, Christianity isn't just about rules and, and, and following just regulations, but it's about following the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can be present, you know, with us and in our lives. And we need to know the presence of God. 
You and I need to know the manifest presence of God. It's, it's a desperate need in our hearts and lives. You can say that, but we need a relationship with God. You need a relationship with God tonight. You know, you might come to church and sing the songs, and that might be great. Read the Bible, and that's wonderful. But it's knowing a relationship with the living Jesus Christ. And Jesus promises to be present with us forevermore. That's spectacular. That is absolutely spectacular. But it's what makes the difference in our Christian lives. Some people seek him here, they seek him there. It's like the, the old story of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This, this, this sort of avenging character in a cloak and a, and a, a mask and what have you. And they sought him here and they sought him there because he was always very distant and very elusive and hard to find. Jesus isn't hard to find, but lots of people seek him all over the place. They go to this church, that church, every other church. They go to this place in the world, that place in the world. They move home, they'll do this, they'll do that. But he's here, he's there, he's with you right He can be with you right now. He promises his incredible presence. He promises to turn up. Now you might say, well, I know our God. I believe in God. He's present. The Bible teaches uh, there is a doctrine that, um, of the omnipresence, that God is everywhere present. You can't escape God. That's true. There's also something known as the manifest presence. That's when God it says, with them, he turns up. We know that God is everywhere present. He's around. He's there. But he's here. He's in my heart, in my life. He's manifest. He shows up. And this is what Jesus is saying here. I'll be with them. The manifest presence of God. We need to know that. Now, in order to know that, so there's the promise of his banknote promise then. Promise, you read it there. Verse 18, promise of power. Verse uh, 19, the promise of provision. Hey, tell you what, these are all the things that people want to have a successful life. And uh, the third one, verse 20, the promise of his presence. Now, they are linked. And this is where it will get practical. So just take a deep breath just for a moment. And now we're going to get practical because to know these promises, there are some things in life that need to be practiced. The promises are linked to practice. Look at this. With this, we're coming to a close in a moment. But it's all very well talking about them. You can talk about them until the cows come home. But how do we practice? How do we get lay hold of them? If I were to give you a bank note, you'd soon be taking that off me. If I had a £10 note now and I gave you that, that, you know, you soon take that. And so we have to practice, we have to lay hold of some things in God to know the incredible sense of his promise. And there's a number of things. And so there's a number of things we can practice. The, the first thing is, um, you wait for it, are you ready? A right attitude. A right attitude. Look at this. Look at this. There's a right attitude of childlikeness. And we'll look at that. It's in verse, verses 1 to 4 of chapter 18. And uh, the second thing is a right action, the power of reconciliation. There's a, a third thing, a right action, power of agreement. And the fourth is another action, acting forgiveness. So there's four, there's one attitude and three actions that's in this chapter 18. There's one attitude and three actions. Look at this. The attitude is childlikeness, verses 1 to 4. The action, first right action is to be reconciled. We'll look at what that means very briefly. The, third, the second action is agreement in verses 19, 19 to 20. And the third action is forgiveness, verses 21 to 35. Look at this. Practice a right attitude, first of all. And this is what allows us to act. Attitude 
releases action. Okay? Attitude in God, a mind of Christ. Have this same mind, we read in the book of Philippians. And we see in verses 1 to 4 this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, in verse 8, chapter 18, it says, and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called the little children and said, stand, got them to stand among him. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verses 1 to 4 there set the scene of attitude for the whole of chapter 18. How to lay hold of the promises and how to put it into practice. So this is the first practice. Attitude. It's not psychology. It's, it's attitude in God. Look at this. He said, Jesus said, unless you adopt the right attitude, you will not know all the fullness of God in your heart and life. He says, be childlike. Do you notice childlike, not childish? That's my seat. Get out. In church life, you hear a lot of that. shouldn't hear that, should you? I've reserved that seat. It's mine. That's very childish. It's mine. There, there, there. Isn't it? But it... He talks about being childlike, but not childish here. To be childlike, he says, humble. And the giveaway is when he says, you must humble yourself like a child, like one of these. He's not saying about being childish, but childlike. A child um, has um, no airs or graces, uncluttered life, simple acceptance. There's trust. That's why it can be dangerous if your child trusts too easily. A little child can trust any stranger. So you say, be careful, don't you? But there is a sense of trust in the heart of a child. And this is what Jesus is getting at. Humble sense of trust. At face value, trust God. Are you going through a difficulty right now? Do you face a challenge in your heart and life? It's easy to say it. Just trust him. Isn't it easy to say that? But that simple sense of first faith value, not face value, faith value... At faith value, trust him. This is what Jesus is saying, like a little child. Your little child. Somebody visited uh, uh, our church this morning. And uh, we were meeting at Long Eaton School. Our morning meetings at Long Eaton School. We don't all fit in here, uh, uh, usually. So, And uh, this, these visitors were visiting. And... Um, uh, one of the men, uh, a man visiting his daughter. Now, his daughter had seen me once before. She can't be very old. I don't know, eight maybe, nine. And there was a visitor. And uh, this person had, I've seen. But his daughter kept coming up to me. It was a bit disconcerting, putting her, her arms around me and wanting to hold my hand all the time. Which is very nice. I think that's, that's lovely. But, you know, you, you've, got, you've got, you know, there's all this stuff these days about child protection and you've got to watch yourself and what do other people think. But it was, it was lovely. It was lovely. And then eventually what I did after a moment to her, I just said, uh, you don't forget your daddy's over there. You, you know, you don't want to miss him. And then she went. And it was great. It was all right. There's something about trust. It's, it's just... And that's what Jesus is getting at about attitude. An attitude of faith value. Faith. A sense of uncluttered trust. We're just going to follow you, God. We're just going to give my life to you. I'm, I'm going to live a life for you. How? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to honour you with my my money. Uh, how? What happens with? I don't, I'm just going to. You know. I'm going to take a step out and I'm I'm going to join that church or or, or I'm going to take that job. How? I'm just going to trust you. That's what he's getting at here. Okay. Move on quickly then. So that's the attitude, the faith 
sense of first port of call. And then there are three quick actions that go with that. So there's the attitude, and this is the practice as we're looking at. And the, the next is an, an, an action of reconciliation. Verses 10 to 17, look at this. In verses 10 to 17, we read of the story. It says, see... Um, that none of you look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven see the face of the Father. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep, will he not, and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go and look for the one that wanders off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the sheep, um, he, he is happy about the one sheep, rather, than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of his little ones should be lost. Verse 15, it says, If your brother sins against you, now on the backdrop to that, God's heart is a heart that always wants to bring back, always wants to break the ice, always wants to put a bridge between another. That's the heart of God. Now, interesting, on the back of that, he then says this, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. It's the action of reconciliation. It's a theological term, but it means to put it right, to bring the person close, get close. No barrier between you. And there's an action there in our hearts and lives that God calls us. If we don't want to know those promises, then we have to practice in the right attitude, attitude of faith, childlike trust, then the action of reconciliation. And it's with that. And so it's not a list of rules and regulations, go and try and show them their fault. And then do, it's, not, it's on the backdrop of the 99 that are okay, God goes looking for the one to say, I want you back. I want, you, I want us to have a great relationship again. And that's what Jesus is saying. If we're going to know the promise of his power, the promise of his presence, and the promise of provision, then we've got to have to adopt an attitude of childlike trust, but then practice reconciliation. Wow. Not let anything get in the way of, between us and God and us and others. Okay, moving on swiftly then. So the second action is a right action of agreement. So there's the atti- get the right attitude, then the um, uh, action of reconciliation, then the right action of agreement. Verses 19 to 20, look at this. He says this. If you agree about anything you are, so where two, or th- two of you on earth agree about anything you ask, it will be done for you. Verse 20, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. If you agree about anything, if you come together in my name. It's the power of agreement, the action of agreement. Um, It's really about this idea of being in tune with each other, not out of tune. And so the idea there is this desire for agreement. That's why a man called the Apostle Paul said, make every effort to maintain the bond of peace. In the book of Ephesians, he says that. We've got to make every effort to maintain the bond of peace. So it's about agreement, getting in tune with another person, being in tune. It's not being exactly the same, but being in tune. To be in tune, we have to make some changes in our lives. So a husband and a wife, to be in tune with one another, have to make some changes. 
If you're playing the guitar, all the, the guys who are uh, musicians know that when you're playing your guitar, you probably have to tune it back a number of times during the course of even an evening playing leading us. Your guitar can go out of tune. And so you've got to tighten the string and bring it back. And this is the pa- agreement means get in tune with. You need to tighten the string of your heart to get in tune with God, some of us, because we're out and we're not sounding right. Some of us here tonight are not walking with God as we should. And in heaven, it doesn't sound right. I'm no musician. Well, I used to play the guitar years ago. When I went to Bible college, I had a guitar and played it years ago. And not being that brilliant on the guitar, I didn't know when it was out of tune. <laughs> so it didn't sound that good. I thought it sounded all right. Until someone said, you're out of tune, mate. You're out of tune. But some of us, we're like that in our lives. We're living a life in church and life with other people in our marriage, at work, in our home, in our friendships. And we're out of tune. We've got to get back in tune, get our hearts focused with God, aligned, put right. A guitarist has to get the, 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 the string tightened or whatever it is and to the right and in, into the, the, the right pitch or if it's a C sharp or whatever it is. With us, it's with the heartbeat of God. It's to the Holy Spirit. It's with the person of Jesus Christ. My heart has to be tuned in to walk according to his way. Agree. So we agree with Jesus. And if our heart begins to agree with Jesus, I'll begin to agree with somebody else. We think we've got to agree this, that, and the other down here on earth. But we agree with Jesus and our heart. So I'm living for God. And if God says you need to forgive, I need to forgive. If God says you need to put that right in our heart, I need to put it right. And as I begin to do that and get close to him, I'll be drawn towards each other if we all put that into practice. Yes, so we get tuned in. Agreement then. A power of agreement. And finally, you'll say, hooray. And finally, the the right action of forgiveness. Attitude childlikeness, action, reconciliation, action of agreement, and finally, action of forgiveness. Look at this. It says there in verse 21 to 35, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, if the kingdom, of, it, it, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And as he began his settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife would, and his children, they should be sold to repay the debt. And the servant fell on his knees before him and he'd be patient with me, he begged. I tell you, I'll pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. And then when that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred uh, denarii, it's just a few pounds when he was forgiven thousands of tens of thousands of pounds, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. 
Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Forgiveness, to release, is to permit, you see, the power to permit, to bind and release. Um, And this is the power. And so forgiveness lets free, lets go, lets other people go. It lets other people go into the hands of God. They don't, they're not tied to me. Um, you know, when we say, you know, many of us um, build fences, don't we? We say, that's offensive to me. I don't like, I, I, I'm going to, that's ter- terrible. I'm going to get you. You owe me. And um, we put fences up, don't we? But what Jesus did was he took all the fences down. Do you know the offense to God was your sin and my sin? That was offensive to him. Sin is living for yourself without God. And I tell you what, every single one of us in this room is either doing that or has done that. I'll be 100% on that, no doubt. So in other words, all of us are either in sin or have sinned. You might not like me for saying that. Myself included. Because living sin is living for myself without God in the equation. And that's offensive to God. But what he did was he forgives you and he forgave me. His son, the Lord Jesus Christ, took all the power of my sin and the offense of that sin upon himself. And as I come and ask his forgiveness and believe in him, that the fences come down. That's why we say there's no offense in that sense. We give them to the hands of God. To forgive means to pull the fences down. Are you a bridge builder or a fence builder? Do you put the barriers up or do you uh, forgive and take the barriers down? We're not talking about forgetfulness, but forgiveness. So, those things then. If we practice childlike attitude that's in faith, reconciliation, we go out of our way to pull down the barriers, as it were. Power of agreement, we tune my heart to the heart of God and agree with God in my life. Living for God, that's all it means Live for God. Say, I want to live for God. Then you'll start to agree with God in your life. That's a good start, I tell you. Amazing start. And finally, the right action of forgiveness. If we walk this way, we will know the promise of power, the promise of provision, and the promise of God's presence. Let's pray together. Do you, tonight, as we pray, let's just close our eyes just for a moment now. We're concluding. But uh, I want to say to you, um, are you out of tune? Do you know, when I spoke that word, I tell you what, as soon as I said that, I didn't come prepared to talk about guitar tuning or anything. That wasn't on my agenda at all. But as I spoke that word, I just feel there's a number of us, the string of my heart is out of tune. I don't say that pointing the finger at anyone. Between you and God right now, you need to get back. You need to get back into agreement with your heart with God. Before God, it doesn't sound right. You're not sounding right. The way you're living out your life, it's just not look. It's not right. If that's you, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But right now, as we close our eyes, just... Well, just join me. We'll all do this together. Then no one's going to say it. If you can, you can, put your hand on your heart. If you can put your hand on your heart for a minute, that'd be good. Just join me. It's just a symbolic act. But what we're going to say now is, I just want to bring my heart in line.
with your heart, O God. And tonight, Father God, without any sense of judgment, because you're an amazing, loving Father who graciously forgives, who graciously forgives, I just put my hand on my heart to say that I want to be in tune with your heart, Lord. And if there's anything in my life, if I'm living, if my attitude, my actions, if there's anything I'm saying or doing, if I've got a habit, if, if I'm, my relationship, if there's anything, oh God, that's out of tune, it's out of tune, I just say, Lord, Lord, I want my heart to be in tune with your heart, I pray. Now tonight, oh God, I know that you know and you see and you hear. And so, oh Lord, each part prayer, that anyone has prayed that prayer, I just pray that right now there will come a sense of coming back to you, wanting to be put right with you, a restoration of relationship with you, a relationship with right relationship with one another, with uh, friends, in relationships with each other. We just pray for a retuning of my heart and our hearts by the power of your spirit. I pray tonight, Father God, if there's anyone here tonight that doesn't really know you fully, they're living life for themselves, living in sin, as it were, that there will come a coming back to you and asking you for forgiveness tonight in Jesus' name. Now again, while we're praying and our eyes are closed, if you have anyone that you need to forgive or anything, can you do that right now? I'm not going to put you on the spot. Not going to ask you to say it out loud, but if you think there's a circumstance, a situation, and you think, God, there's offense, because you know if you're offended, there's offense and there's a fence. Right now, I'm going to take that fence down and I'm going to give that circumstance, person, and situation to you. If you can do that, that's called forgiveness. Do it right now. Do it right now, dear friend. You know, God is not judging you. He'll come by the power of his spirit to help you. I do realize this might be very difficult and hurtful for some of us tonight. I really do realize that. For some of us, there may be circumstance that is really quite painful. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come with great love and great mercy. Because, Father God, you have forgiven me of much. Therefore, right now, I forgive much to everyone around me in my life and in my heart. Anything that's been said over me, over me, to me, about me, to my face, behind my back. If anyone has said uh, bad things over me, if a parent or a, a loved one or a husband or a wife has said things that are awful, we, Lord, we say, I release into your hands that person. If anything's been said, I just release the words into your hands right now so that there'll be no fence over my life. Come by the power of your Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, I pray. I pray that a real sense of your provision, a real sense of your power, and a real sense of your presence would just come upon and in and flood our lives. It's already there. The promises are there. They're yes and amen. But we just pray that we apprehend them. We lay hold of them. We lay hold of them right now in faith, by faith, upon our lives and for our lives and for our families and for this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just wonder if the worship team could come back as we just close with a song. Let's just sing that, you know, the chorus line, Our God reigns over every situation by faith. You know, I have a hope that is incredibly secure. It's an amazing song. 
that we were singing earlier on. And we're just going to sing that. And uh, let's lay hold of that by faith. And Mike Glennis, didn't he? He kept saying, let's lay hold of that by faith. That's, they're amazing. It's amazing, amazing promises in God for our lives. And uh, we're just going to lay hold of this and maybe just pray. By faith I have believed and on this truth I stand. Let's stand together, shall we? If you can with me. And as we reach out to him, his promises are yes. You, the promise is based on the person that, of the promise. It's Jesus Christ. It's only as good as the person that makes the promise. Now be encouraged. I could make promises to you and I'd probably let you down. You could make promises to one another and there'd be a time we'd let each other down. We don't mean to. But with Jesus Christ, he'll never let us down. Just be encouraged by this tonight. Their promises are amazing. They're not pie in the sky, but they're groundbreaking, life-changing, incredibly releasing, energizing power of God. And this promise of his power and his presence and his provision are for you and your family and our life and your life and our church and the church that you represent. So let's just lay hold of this as we sing these words over our lives and lay hold of his promises for our lives in Jesus' name.